Welcome to Life to the Full, a message to Christians. This is a podcast about the abundant life that God promises in Scripture. We want to inspire those who are frustrated with themselves and their communities to live a transformed life that will impact the world. Our primary purpose is to be a platform that will impact the world through conversation. We want to invite others to connect and unite in curiosity, vulnerability, and responsibility. A transformed life is about growth, learning, and evolving. A transformed life leads to transformed communities, and transformed communities impact the world. One conversation at a time. Welcome back to Life to the Full, your host, DeZito. Yeah, yeah, that's us. What are you drinking today, honey? I am drinking coffee. Yes. Um, with a taste. little bit of a shot of Irish whiskey. Wait, seriously? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Christian podcast. Get your head out of the gutter. It tastes really good when you make it into French. What French press, yeah. French press, yes. Yep. Across the English Channel, we call it the Irish press. Really? No, not really. Oh. I was oh, just wow. being an idiot. <laughs> So sorry. It's okay. Well, if you are joining us for the first time, you are in the season of embracing our journey. And uh, we have, this is our last season of the year because we started in spring of 2020 in the middle of a pandemic. We did. And uh, season one was about listening and staying curious then followed by our summer season that was uh, increasing our vulnerability. And then our fall was facing our responsibility. You want to give us a recap of um, so far a new series? Yeah. I'm sorry, a new series in this season is called... Embracing the Journey of a Transformed Life. We are in the series of Getting Your Bible Back. Get Your Bible Back. Get Your Bible Back. Yeah. Those other hermeneutics don't know how to act. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, we were talking about, you know, for for many people, when they they encounter, uh, you know, intelligent thought, intelligent scholarship, Teachers who have been teaching this stuff maybe that their tradition hasn't equipped them with or given to them or maybe not even aware of, um, it can cause various crises of faith or crises in their lives, right? Um, Maybe you're a fan of the Bible Project podcast, like you, (laughs) Patricia, Patty, Patty, and you've encountered some stuff in the Bible Project podcast that you're like, wait a minute, what? This changes everything. Yeah, like the top of heaven and earth. Heaven and earth for you. And then, you know, you go back to your tradition, all super excited, ready to, like, see massive change or to, you know, share what you've learned. And, you know, maybe either people don't understand what you're trying to say. You look like a crazy person from the Matrix. (laughs) Or, uh, you know, it's just, like, met with, like, silence. Mm. You know, either way can be... I think, you know, quite traumatic to certain types of people. That's a little drama. Um, It can be (laughs) annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like traumatic, though. Well, it's if you choose, and if you say that, then then you stay there. Mm -hmm. You stay in the trauma, you stay in drama, 
and I want I want to move forward. This is yeah. why we're embracing the journey. Embracing the journey. Yeah, so I feel like at, at certain points in your life, you could be standing, your Bible in your hand, you don't know what to do with it anymore. You, you don't trust what you used to think about it. You don't trust what you thought you knew. Um, you feel lost, uh, confused. And I think, you know, the temptation there is to kind of just throw everything out, you know. <laughs> and I feel like if you get to this point where you're like a year or two in, uh, into a tradition or, you know, like maybe you really weren't... Uh, a person who took church or religion seriously, it's much, much easier, I, f- I feel like, in one sense, to make the decision to completely walk away from everything. Uh, but once you've been in it, like, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 plus years, it can kind of feel like, oh, wow, what do I do? You know, I'm learning all this stuff. I don't know where to go. Um, I don't know what to do with this. Uh, I don't want to walk away from everything. I value my community. I value my experiences in this tradition, uh, but what do I do? I, I'm not able to look at my Bible the same way ever again. Uh, so in doing that, we're, we started this series in embracing uh, the journey of a transformed life and getting your Bible back uh, by talking about, okay, imagining the Bible as this beautiful, unexplored land, at least unexplored for you, like you just kind of got dropped off someplace. And instead of seeing the Bible as a list of do's and don'ts, as a list of things to do and not to do, or a manual on how to get to heaven, because we kind of went through that and deconstructed that a little bit. What is the Bible? Like, how can I experience the Bible maybe in a way that's more in line with its original intention? And we talked about imagining going to a national park mm-hmm. or going to a gr- some of the great wild spaces that are still left uh, on our planet. And the first thing that you always should go is you should go to a ranger station. And we imagine you go into this ranger station and you meet a ranger. Uh, Maybe him or her looks like they're carved from the very hills of the park. Like they're just old and tough and they know this place like the back of their hand. And they're going to give you some advice on what to do, on how to approach this place that you found yourself in. They're going to take into consideration... Uh, your level of fitness, your level of ability to get to certain places. They're going to know things in real time about wildlife and weather conditions and conditions of the trail. And, you know, going into the Bible again and trying to experience this as a country to be explored versus, you know, the basic instructions before leaving Earth. <laughs> Shout out to Wu-Tang Clan or whoever came up with that. Uh, or looking for it as like, okay, just... But you're disagreeing with that. I am, yeah. Okay. Instead of looking at the Bible as the basic instructions before leaving Earth, okay. or looking at it as as the you know missing manual mm-hmm. to how to get to heaven and how to mm-hmm. stay out of hell, he right. double hockey sticks. Yeah, we just want to be clear in case somebody just walking into this podcast. Yeah. So yeah, we imagine what kind of advice would be good to follow, and I referenced uh, an essay written by Krister Stendhal. Right, it's uh, I attached the link. To last week's episode, I'll attach it again. It's for free on the Harvard Bulletin. The name of the essay is Why I Love the Bible. And he kind of gives some advice as a season guide into exploring his Bible. It really helped out me a lot, and I'm hoping that it will help out you as well. Last week, we looked at the first two, which is It's Not About Me. It's not about me. What? And who's it about? Uh, it's not, And it's not always as deep as we think. So we looked at the first two. So we are going to look at number three, 
even Paul isn't always sure. And can you quickly just state number one and number two? Sure. Number one is it's not about me. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Bible isn't written to me. It's for me. It's like a gift, you know, from, from the God, from the God. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit, right? But it's not necessarily written with me in mind, uh-huh. right? Number two. It's not always as deep as we think. Sometimes we want to take it and we want to make it something that it's not. We want to make it uh, a scripture verse kind of theology. We want to make it about like this is the missing manual to human existence. And uh, we want to, you know, we, we try and use it in a way that it was never intended to be used. Which kind of streams line, streamlines effectively into, uh, or seamlessly, I should say, into even Paul isn't always sure. So when you really get into the Old Testament, I love the Old Testament, uh, it's a little easier in the sense to understand that there's more going on here than just like, okay, I need to read this and then I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's stories of genocide. In the Bible, committed by the Jews, right, on the people of the promised land as they came in. That that God was apparently like, yay, let's do this. Let's kill men, women, and children, and animals. You know? So I think that's something right there that we're like, okay, there's something deeper going on here. So there are all these things in the Old Testament that are quite shocking. And it's quite apparent, as soon as you read it, that this is from a different age. (laughs) I should not take these things literally... Uh, like, you know, one thing I referenced... Yeah, give some examples. Like the Jewish ban, like that I just talked about. That's the idea that when the Jews came into the Promised Land, right, they were supposed to kill all the inhabitants of the land, men, women, and children, um, and even the animals in some situations, and they weren't supposed to leave anything anything there, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, I mean, there have been different points in history where I think the Bible has been taken like that and been like, okay, we're going to go to the Americas... We found, we found some people there. We're going to convert them or we're going to kill them. That's what we're going to do, people. You know, that's the way that Christianity in the past has treated the Muslims, the Arabs, uh, different religions and people groups that they encountered over the ages. We need to either convert these people or we need to kill them. Mm. You know, I don't think anyone in our tradition struggles with that today. But I think it's easier to look at an example like that. Or there's, you know, another example... You have the Jewish ban. Uh, you have different dietary laws. You have different things. You have people, you know, in, in the book of Judges, one person is ripped into four pieces, right? That's not a literal uh, translation of what we should be doing. Um, there's a lot of crazy things. And I think looking into the Old Testament, it could be quite easy or, you know, readily apparent after you've read the thing a few times. Okay. There's a story here, and there's something that I should be getting out of it. It should be communicating to me like a story. But then we come to my BFF, Paul, Paul. right? Paul or, or Saul, right? Um, and I think it's important for us to remember that Paul isn't always so sure as he appears to be. Now, why would I say this? I'm going to list out a couple of things here. To kind of help us out. So the first thing you have to remember when you're reading Paul is that you're reading one side of a conversation, mm-hmm. right? So me and you have had some crazy conversations over the years, mm-hmm. right? 
Remember that one time you called me um, because you were all afraid because the moon was out? Wow, you're really going to pull this During out? the day? You're going to really put this right? out? Right? <laughs> <laughs> Edit. So the moon was out during Edit. the day, and what did you say? Edit. Edit. <laughs> did someone say Edit? <laughs> Come on, the people want to know. The people want to know. It's embarrassing. Um, you know, when you're so busy in life and in your own drama, you, sometimes it's um, we don't look up to notice things. So, yes, yeah. I did call you. Yeah, you you like, called me because you were very disturbed. <laughs> I think you were like in your 30s. Wow, now you're getting paid. <laughs> you're making this story much more juicy. You weren't a teen. At this point, I feel like the, the education system... I was re- already a college graduate. The education system really oh. failed you in this sense. No, honey. <laughs> I'm taking responsibility. Go ahead, tell them. Uh, you called me uh, to tell to really panicky because <laughs> the moon was out and it was still daylight. And I was, I was like, yeah, I know. I just dripped coffee all over it, my shirt. I'm looking at it right now. It, it's okay. <laughs> But, but I've never seen it before. Like, what's happening? What's going on? Is it going to crash into us? Like, I did not say that. Okay, hold on a second. Can I add about the movie that we saw? Wasn't that around the same time? What movie did we see? The movie with the moon, about the earth. The, no, the... no, no, no. We were still, like, oh, yeah, yeah, dating we or friends dating. at that point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow, this is a uh, very embarrassing part. Yeah, Please yeah, continue. and it, it took me a while to calm you down that, <laughs> no, it's it's fine. Yes, you can see the moon during the day. It's it's there. Uh, you know, it's just right there. It's not. A, it's, okay, it's okay. Nothing's happening. The moon isn't falling to Earth. It's not aliens. I think this was around 2012, like, you know, the... You see how you add things? I never talked about aliens. The Mayan calendar wasn't going to kill us and they were all going to die. You add the stories (laughs) that people don't know. Anyway, can you imagine if, you know, we were having this conversation, you were in uh, a Starbucks and I was in a Starbucks someplace else and people were hearing us have these one-way conversations, you know, and you hear me saying, no, it's not aliens. No, it's, (laughs) it's fine. You can see it all the time. And then there's your, you on the side, but the moon, the moon, you know, and it's, I guess it's kind of a poor example. Uh, Good, I can edit all this out. <laughs> but just the idea of that, you're, you're hearing one side of the conversation. Uh-huh. And you always have to remember that. There are times in Paul's letters where, unfortunately, our translations make it sound like Paul is stating a fact. When sometimes Paul is actually stating what... Uh, the people who wrote the letter to him that prompted this letter that we have um, that we have in our Bibles. You know, we don't have a lot of these original letters that prompted Paul to write back um, where he's restating a question that they had. And then he goes on to elaborate on something. So you have to be very careful with Paul in that sense. You give an example. Because um, right now it's like resistance to that statement. Sure. So in 1 Corinthians 7. Okay. As an example, in verse 1, Now for the matters you wrote about, colon, it is good for a man not to marry. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they asked him a question. Mm-hmm. So is it the, is the question, is it good for a man not to marry? Or is the question something else that we don't have, and did Paul just answer that question? Do you see the confusion? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's one. So that's one pretty clear example. Uh, do you 
Want another one? Yes. I like two more, please. Oh my god. Well, it. Well, you gotta like you gotta remember. Someone's hearing this for the first time, and we're in the mentality that the Bible is black and white, and everything that the Bible says we gotta do. It's it's hard to digest or even be open to it. Mm-hmm. So another example would be in First Corinthians eight. Again, verse 1, it says, Now about food sacrificed to idols. Colon. We know that we possess, that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So here's like another situation where, you know, it seems to be that Paul is referencing some question that they had about food sacrificed to idols. So... And, and this is not one of those things where you broke down how it's like in the Beatitudes, how important it is to look at the verse before and the verse after to see if there's any so uh, pattern. Yeah. So when you're looking at the Old Testament, mm-hmm. pretty much all of it, yeah, you're looking at books that were written over a period of like a thousand years, mm-hmm. and you're also you're also Dipping into a collection of books, some of which we no longer have, uh, some of which we do have, but they're not included in the official canon. And when you, the Old Testament in its final form is a carefully curated body of work that took place over hundreds of years, if not a thousand years. Uh, when it so when it was eventually presented in, in its uh, final form. Mm-hmm. It comes to us pretty much very, very like poured over, very edited, edited in a good way. It's it's just it's tight. Yeah. So all of the Old Testament speaks back and forth to each other, right? Because it's it's a record of a conversation that took place over hundreds, if not thousands, of years. When you get to the New Testament, however, um, yeah, with the Gospels. You, you are getting something that's very curated as well. This is, you can think of it as first century Jewish apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic in a I mean, sense revealing. that it's revelatory. Mm-hmm. So it's revealing God's will, mm-hmm. right? But when you get to the letters of Paul, you're getting something that's a little bit different. Paul is brilliant. There's no way you can doubt that. Even if you don't have a deeper understanding of what Paul is doing or how Paul's letters work. Uh, Paul's letters are very, very influential. They've been very influential uh, in modern society. They've been very influential for the thousands of years that we've been preserving them, um, even without understanding what exactly is going on. Because uh, Paul is a brilliant Jewish author who lived in the first century. And so he's doing things with his letters that it's not easily apparent. But because they're what we would call occasional letters. This isn't Paul sitting down and giving us his doctrine. This isn't Paul sitting down and articulating his theology for us. We don't have that. Uh, We have what's in the Gospels, and those Gospel authors are sitting down and articulating their theology through narrative and through poetry, and they are linking it back uh, to the Hebrew Scriptures. Um, They can be considered part of the Hebrew scriptures in that sense. But Paul's not doing that. What Paul is doing is he's writing a letter. 
And so even though it's fascinating and it's very instructive to see what he's doing in those letters, uh, his own hermeneutics, if you would. Wait, what's hermeneutics? Hermeneutics is, a, is a, an approach to interpreting the Bible. Okay. It's basic rules that you would follow. So the big hermeneutic that's you'd get if you went to seminary right now would be like the historical literary, where they look at the Bible as a work of literature. And they also look at it in a historical context. So they're, they're looking for the literary and the historical. And that's kind of like the two basic rules of modern day hermeneutics. But that wasn't always the case. In, in the Bible project, don't, don't, doesn't it uh, say that Bible is, uh, what is it, like 50, 60% narrative, like 23% poetry, and then the rest is called discourse? Yeah. So that mean being Paul's letters. Uh, yeah, or when anyone is clearly articulating. Like, so a discourse could be uh, couched within a narrative. So Moses has a few discourses. Oh. Job has some discourses. Um, but there's more going on in those things than just like pure, like literary discourse or, or prose, mm-hmm. right? What um, Paul is writing mostly is like, a very like unique style of like a logical arguments. Mm. So Paul is funny that way because Paul's thoughts kind of flow from one thought to the other. And it's really hard to follow him unless you're reading the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just like when the Bible project challenged to read the whole book of Ephesians. Yes. In one sitting. Yes. And I did that a couple of times. <laughs> because that was actually part of an exercise at one point and I remember sharing that video with some people because with some people because it was like, Wow, I never looked at it like that as far as because it was matching the overall message of the Bible. Yeah. Uh and when it comes to the the unity and humanity and the 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 new humanity really and so it like it caught my attention when tim mentioned that and watching that video was connecting to connecting to the phrase that i kept hearing in every podcast the bible is a unified story that leads to jesus really seeing jesus taking the tanak forward and then giving that to here you go, Patty. What's it called in racing when somebody passes you the... Baton? Baton. <laughs> yeah. Like in a marathon? Yeah. Like in a marathon. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if that... Sorry. So I just... It, it was... I had the question because I was curious about that question. Um, and I know I, I say or I've stopped you before, you know, people may have that. And that that's probably a, a disadvantage to the listener who is not having my own same question so sure my apologies to that so no no please question no no not to you (laughs) to the listener gotcha um because i don't want to put words in your mouth or and you know we we're gonna have a whole host of different listeners they're not all gonna be from our church they're all not gonna be the the responses that i'm getting like in real time or, or the the pushback that i'm getting in real time um or the responses that i'm hearing when it comes to like the Bible Project or Bema, um, and so it's um, I want to keep that fair. So these are my questions. So I I say maybe last no, 
yeah, last last season I had made a promise that I was gonna like stop you and ask you questions. Yeah. Um, because it will be beneficial for both of us. Yeah. No, I think I think that's great. So yeah, the first thing is to remember that these are what you would call occasional letters. Mm-hmm. Paul isn't sitting down to write out any type of systematic theology. He's not writing his own gospel. Um, so it's just it's important to understand that when you read Paul, uh, a lot of times he's he's answering questions. So he writes in the questions. Sometimes it's very apparent that he's asking a question, and other times you know people are still debating on whether or not that's a question or he was actually stating a fact. And the other thing you have to remember with Paul is that these were letters. So there was no Amazon back then or no mail, right, that we think of it today. There wasn't even, well, I mean, maybe there was some version of the Pony Express. Um, But if you wanted to deliver a letter, you gave that letter to somebody. And then that person was very, very familiar with the contents of the letter Oh, like the example that Tim and John did when they were in Texas. They asked somebody in the audience to come. Um, They were going to be delivering the letter. And Tim and John were having a conversation of inside jokes that they could only get because they knew something. And that being the the Tanakh, right? Like the... um, So... I'm sorry. Did I jump forward again? No. My bad. However, it's reminding me of that. Guys, I'm a Bible Project um, fan. <laughs> it's helped me a lot. And so if you are, if you have listened to the Bible Project um, and even have more questions, this this will absolutely will help future episodes as well. So we could craft all these questions for Jimmy. And... Um, yeah, I think that that could be something good for projects coming in the future. Yeah, perfect. So, yeah. So keep in mind, there was no email. Mm-hmm. Paul couldn't text the Ephesians, right? He couldn't, you know, put a letter into the mail. Mm-hmm. You would give it with someone trustworthy who would uh, bring that to you. And if you look with me in Colossians 4... I'll point this out real quick because I think it is instructive. Girls eat popcorn. Good. What? My Bible is on my phone nowadays. Uh, Colossians 4, verse 7. It says, Tychius. That was a messenger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. will tell you all news about me. He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Uh, he is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that happened that is happening here. So in Colossians, there's this idea of missing context. Hmm. And there's missing context that Onesimus and Tychius are going to give them. Um, there's the idea that you can imagine uh, that if, you know, you got a letter from somebody and there were some confusing things in it, right, you might have some questions. Mm-hmm. Well, the cool thing about the way that they did, you know, this whole letter thing back then is there actually would have been someone there to question. What did Paul mean here? Mm-hmm. What was he talking about here? Mm-hmm. Right. 
And so there's just that idea. So they these were occasional letters. They were not systematic theology letters. They weren't his Paul's gospel. And there's a lot of context that we're missing, right? Because we're hearing one side of the conversation. We're not hearing the questions they had back. And there's also missing context because we don't have access to those messengers to be able to ask, Paul, what did you mean about that? Mm-hmm. Like one of the classic examples is baptizing people for the dead, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which Paul says, I believe, in one of the Corinthians. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Or is there, there's the idea of spiritual gifts, mm-hmm. right? Paul seems to be talking, again, in Corinthians, Paul seems to t- be talking about spiritual gifts that, you know, hasn't been the reality for most of Christianity uh, today, you know, unless you're in a Pentecostal movement, you know, but for our tradition, you know, we've almost like historically looked down on spiritual gifts. I'm not saying necessarily the way I feel about that one way or the other. I'm currently like still working some of that stuff out. Um, You know, it's interesting to note that a lot of the people who, you know, delivered these letters might have actually been women. So women might have come in a very authoritative role and, you know, kind of like help people understand these letters, you know, Uh, that's kind of like a little aside. Um, So why do I say all this? And also, sometimes Paul just flat out says, this is from me, this, I have no instruction from this. This is from me, not from the Lord. Right? Or let's find that one. (laughs) All right. So, for instance, in 1 Corinthians, chapter 7, uh, verse 25, it says, Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. So basically, Paul is saying, okay, about virgins, virgins, um, you had a question. We don't know what the question necessarily was, but he's saying now about virgins because he's kind of going off his list, most likely, right? Or he has that other letter that they sent him in front of him while he's doing this. Um, I have no command from the Lord. So he somehow inquired of Jesus. He inquired of the Holy Spirit and got nothing. So he's like, I got to tell him something, you know? So he basically says it right here. I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. That's a fancy way of saying, this, though, is my best guess. And then he goes on and to... We're not comfortable with that in our society. What do you mean? Well, our society is not comfortable with maybes or I think mm. uh, or possibilities. It's either in or out. And, and I'm not even talking about in Christianity, just our society, like yeah. in Western America. Um, we we feel more secure with definite answers. It's it's a safety net yeah. to have that. And apparently, Paul isn't comfortable with that necessarily either. <laughs> you know, because he's given them something to do, right? He's like, I don't know, I don't have any clear instruction on this, but this is like my best guess. Mm-hmm. Do this. So, would you consider then? Are they considering Paul as a guide? Yeah, they're considering Paul as a guide. Now, the interesting thing here is that we don't know what their response was. Mm-hmm. We don't know if their response was like, okay, this is Paul's suggestion. Let's try it out. And if it doesn't work, we'll do something else. Or we don't know if we if they took what Paul said as like, this is what you need to do yeah. because it comes from Paul. 
Yeah. We just don't know that part of the story. Right. So depending on, you know, what branch of the church family tree you happen to land on. Mm-hmm. Which is in episode, and, uh, season one, guys. Yeah, with our POV episodes, POV. right? In church mm-hmm. history, mm-hmm. the larger box of church sure. history. Church history. Um, that's something that, you know, you have to decide for yourself. Me personally, I like to think that Paul was in a space where he was comfortable with uncertainty. Like, you know, as a as a Jew who had a lot of experience in the scriptures, interpreting the scriptures, uh, was well trained as a rabbi, um, you know, had that cosmic shift when, you know, he encountered Jesus and he realized Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures, sorry, of the Tanakh, right? Jesus was moving the Tanakh forward. Mm-hmm. Um, as a Messianic Jew, I think Paul was comfortable with not knowing everything. That's most rabbis, right? Yeah. Like when I opened that Jewish Bible and just the introductory, I want to say it was like page three, <laughs> which was, we don't know. And I read, we don't know. And I, I was going crazy, you yeah. know? So when I say Western society, I mean me, I'm I'm Western society, Yeah. you know, born in Peru, like as you said, all Catholic coming here. That's my mentality. It's It's either or. Right. right. Like, what do you mean me you don't answer. know? What do you mean you don't know? <laughs> you tell me the truth. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I'm trying to. The truth is, we just don't tell me the truth. Oh uh, yeah. Oh, the fights that we've oh, had. Oh man, these so many topics. fights. Uh, I'm gonna bring up another book again. I think I brought it up last week. Um, A.J. Jacobs, A Year of Living Biblically. You know, um, when he was going, when he was trying to live out the Old Testament, he got to the Old Testament laws about not having garments made of two different types of fabric or two different types of material. Like the garment had to be all made of just one type of fabric, Mm. right? And so there are actually people who their job is to go to people's houses with a magnifying lens. Wow. And examine their clothing to make sure the clothing is good, it's kosher, you can wear it. Wow. So he got all of his suits examined all of his clothes examined because he was trying to live biblically and so everything else was going to go into storage and he was only going to be able to wear what was approved and um for me it's a really great conversation because you know he's kind of having fun with this too but despite himself you know the guy is just so like happy he's just such a great like personality who's like examining all his clothing that you know he struck up a friendship with him uh, and he's like, I, I got to ask you, like, why does God care? Hmm. And the rabbi was just like, we just don't know. <laughs> but that's what he says. So that's what we do. We don't know. You know, and I think people in my space, um, not my space no, that nobody has anymore, <laughs> but in my tradition, very, very uncomfortable yeah. with questions like that. I feel yeah. like when questions like that do come up. Um, we tend to right away, like, you know, no, 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 but this is what we know and this is why we know it and this is why God did this. Like, I, I can remember growing up and even hearing about pork and shellfish. Mm-hmm. You know, God said, don't eat those. Mm-hmm. And the appropriate answer is, why was God so against bacon? <laughs> and why was he so against, uh, you know, clamps? Because mm-hmm. I love clamps. Mm-hmm. And the short answer and probably the more appropriate answer is we just don't know. Mm-hmm. It's not apparent, mm-hmm. you know. Um, 
But I think, you know, I've heard people say in the past that, oh, no, the reason that God did that is because uh, pigs are filthy animals. They eat everything. There were all these diseases associated with pigs and shellfish. Uh, So, like, that was a way of keeping the Israelites safe. It was, like, really for health and medical reasons. And we're we're just figuring that out now. So that's a way of kind of, like, dismissing the mystery. Like, no, 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 this is because of science. Because, you know, the fount of all knowledge and truth is obviously this book. You know, we didn't even realize it had science and medical advice until like thousands of years later. No, that's not the point. Um, you know, I mean, if you're looking for anything that's kind of like closer to the point, the the Philistines uh, loved pigs. They're, like you can actually tell if it's a Jewish site in archaeology or a Philistine site, whether or not there's pig bones. Hmm. There's pig bones all over the place. Um, in the Philistine culture, in the Phil- Philistine cities, hmm. uh, but not in Jewish cities. So it might have been a way of them distinguishing themselves from their neighbors. Um, but again, I don't want to dismiss and write off the mystery. I think sometimes there's things that we just don't know, and the mystery needs to point us towards something else. Wow, you say write off the mystery. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Mm, wow it's almost as stealing joy it is wow it is because you know who loves mystery who children children do love mystery so in a sense in getting your bible back This has helped me tremendously with Paul uh, because it's helped me now go back into Paul and really see, appreciate him for what he is, right? He is the best and the first example we have of somebody who is a genius, literary genius, uh, just a brilliant mind that comes across in the pages, who is taking the Tanakh and the Jewish scriptures and is applying it to a Gentile audience. So we see as the story of the Tanakh moves forward into the Gospels, right? And there's this big question in Matthew 28, right? Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, mm-hmm. right? We're seeing someone do that. We're, mm. we're seeing someone take the Jewish stories, the Jewish scriptures, and applying it to a Gentile audience who is not Jewish, who doesn't have the law, who doesn't have the prophets, who doesn't have the writings, right? Doesn't have the Tanakh. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful for that, just to see someone take these stories and, you know, stories that we feel are so set in stone and that are so like, oh, no, you need to know the his- the proper historical literary context to do anything here. And then depending on what tradition you're a part of, you have a different historical literary context. Uh, you know, Paul is very fluid with his use of the Jewish scriptures. Like Peter Enns like to say, uh, Paul probably couldn't even get a job in a college teaching his own writings because the way Paul uses the Bible is very fluid. And between the lines there, you can see you can see an author who doesn't worship the black and white context of his own scriptures, but sees how truly, as it says in Hebrews, that these things are living and active. Mm. There is a living component to the words that are found in our Bibles that I think we don't appreciate, you know, we would never do with scriptures what Paul does with scriptures. 
because he takes them, he fuses them together, he takes a little bit from here, a little bit from there, kind of mashes it all together, right? He changes some things, you know, even the whole circumcision debate, you know, which I think the Bible Project just did a great episode on that in their Family of God series. Like, when you get to this point, you know, where all of a sudden um, circumcision is no longer on the table, it, it's very confusing, because it's like, well, who asked all the circumcision? Well, you did, God. <laughs> Even Ishmael were circumcised, you know, and Ishmael went off. He wasn't part of the chosen people. He was Abraham's illegitimate son with his handmaiden Hagar, right? So that might have been a little bit off topic. But in the spirit of getting our Bibles back, just remember as you go in, you know, let the rest of the scriptures inform your understanding of Paul. Don't let Paul inform your understanding of the rest of scriptures. See Paul for what he is. Paul is not writing a treaty. Paul is not writing a, a discourse on his own systematic theology. Paul is taking the scriptures and he's applying them to a Gentile Greek world. And I think the lesson for us is, what are we doing with the scriptures? Are we taking the scriptures and are we, are we using them uh, to learn how to be good humans, good people? Are, are we like Paul in the way that we use the scriptures? Are we using the scriptures to bring the world back together? Mm, are we using the scriptures... To bring the world back together. <laughs> yeah. Or are we using the scriptures to divide? Oh, you're an evangelical or you're a Baptist. Oh, you're a Pentecostal. Oh, you're a Mormon. We don't even talk about you guys. Uh, you know, are we using the scriptures to divide ourselves up into our little camps and our little tribes that are constantly using the Bible to beat each other over the head with it? And for me, the most freeing thing has been knowing that I don't even have to take part in that conversation. <laughs> the Bible is having a totally different conversation than the conversation of who's right, who's wrong, mm. who's in the kingdom, who's out of the kingdom, mm-hmm. who's going to heaven, who's going to hell. And getting myself more aligned on those pages, I mean, I've wept with Paul. Like, mm. you know, like, and I think the first time was Ephesians. Ephesians was like my favorite thing for a while uh, because it was the first letter of Paul that I read the whole thing. I read the whole thing like several, several times and it just, it changed me, mm-hmm. you know, because I got the whole thing. And this comes after a period of time of reading, you know, the entire Old Testament. And then once you read through the entire Old Testament and you kind of get some of that stuff in you, especially the beginning parts, uh, it changes the way you read Paul forever. And it becomes it becomes more about this guy whose heart is breaking. That look at what Jesus has done, people. Yeah. The dividing wall of hostility is gone. And we're acting like a bunch of idiots. The dividing wall of hostility is gone. Yeah. And I think Paul is more relevant today than ever. I mean, I think Paul is always relevant because our tendency to divide ourselves up into these little tribes that like to fight each other. Mm. And I don't think Paul was looking for universality. He wasn't looking for everyone to be like Paul. He wasn't looking for everyone to be like, oh, wow, 
this church in Ephesus is amazing. We all need to be like Ephesus. Mm. Uh, he wasn't trying to establish one and done culture for all of his churches. But in their diversity, in their true diversity of thought, attitude, and, you know, but the guiding principle of being love and unity and the world coming back together, that's what it was all about. It wasn't about figuring out who was right, who was wrong, who's in, who's out. And I think that's more apparent to me now than it is ever, especially with our, you know, where our own journey has gone as well. Uh, through this pandemic and just trying to figure out, well, where do we stand now? Mm-hmm. You know, we're not really part of the Stone Campbell movement anymore, like, or the ICOC. Uh, we're not really, we don't really like fit in there, but where do we fit in? And where's our place in the larger story? Mm-hmm. You know, so that's number three. Even Paul isn't always sure. Go grab your Bibles. Understand what Paul is doing and what he's not doing. He's not trying to tell you what to do. (laughs) He's not trying to help you to tell other people what to do. Uh, He really is guiding you in, you know, the first and probably the best example we have of taking the Jewish stories, taking the Jewish scriptures and applying it to the world in an attempt to bring it back together. Well, honey, that that was a lot to chew on. And as you often do... For me, it's you, you inspire me to run and grab my Bible. And last time I read Ephesians, when you were saying you got emotional, it's because both you and I have a strong, I mean, deep in our bones desire for unity. And why we could be so disturbed when we don't see that and I was challenged not to focus on that and to focus on the larger story where God wants me to focus he doesn't want me to focus on convincing my church to look at things a certain way and the question is are we using the scriptures to bring the world back together or are we using the scriptures to divide it's a really good question to ponder on next week we wrap up on our guide's number four advice and his name is his name is eddie no his name is christer stendhal and you mentioned that that link to the essay is on this episode yeah well i love the bible and these come directly from his uh five no statements i know we don't like negations here I'm laughing because this is like take four of this last section. Yep. We will see you next week where we will discuss part four or advice number four from our guide. And his name is Chrysler Stendhal. Yes. And the show notes have the link to the essay that Mm -hmm. we've been talking about in this series of Get Your Bible Back. Yeah. All right, guys. Adios, muchachas. And muchachitos.